Welcome to Copacetic Health, a family-friendly educational podcast focusing on health literacy as a global community. Welcome. Education deserves more than a mere chapter in our repertoire called copacetic health. But there's no need to make a case for education. Statistically, it speaks for itself. Education reads the writing on the wall and all the books on the shelf. It writes the songs of life. And when it comes to health, it's stellular, not stealth. In the last episode, we named the domains, called Social Determinants of Health. We began with every teacher's pet, education. This week, as promised, an ongoing chapter. For edification and clarity, I was going to discuss education's bestie, economic security, because it too shares friends with education along with housing and food as all the determinants do. But dear listeners, let's face it, the last month has been one of duress with local and global violence. Nothing but full court press to another and yet another family and generation altering sadness. Many of the surrounding complex issues are germane to the creation of this podcast. This so-called jargon is not just elementary, secondary, vocational, and university. The determinants are connected because health is interdisciplinary. Education is never a one-time situation. It's preparation and perpetuation or in perpetuity if you prefer. One's education most often determines one's economic security. Considerable countries have populations with a majority under the age of 25, not poised to thrive, but overly burdened with the demands of simply staying alive. Disrupted by social conflict, war, climate change, economic tides. What happens to a young person's dreams and desire to strive? In my local community, we've been in mourning too. Because our children, our future still suffer and remain traumatized too. It's heart-wrenching to feel helpless and hopeless about what to do. During such times of obliteration, am I to write redundant reams about the benefits of education in the hope that it will bear some elucidation and bona fide illumination? Or should I be real? about the collective consternation that pungently hangs in the air? 
I'm not sure whether it's worse as a mother, a sister, or a teacher to be aware of people's treatment on the spoiler called social media, especially our younger ones. They're so brutal to each other. Because the last few weeks have felt so heavy, so filled with grief, because so many children are suffering without any peace, in need of mercy and relief, for all the children who served then and in all manners of service now, whether by conscription or as volunteer, they too are the world's children. They, too, are someone's beloved children. Among the worst of hostilities, healthcare workers disappear without any guarantees, drafted by some of the most civilized of societies. After centuries of wars, we have enough humanity to form the ICRC, international humanitarian law in best esprit de corps and amity. But after decades and decades, the results are medical neutrality as anomaly. In my local community, we've been mourning too, and we can't cast any judgment because in our own negative ways, we disregard children just like you. So much future squandered under the age of 25. Generations upon generations of human tragedies on all sides. Enshrined. Because my salted tears restored me anew and because it's the season of gratitude. I'm going to try my best not to be blue. So I wrote a thank you to two teachers I knew, two early educators I would like to share with you. Words from a grateful former student's heart, and hopefully herein, I'll pay it forward with some of what I learned from them. Because so many times, I've missed our conversations. And so, dear listeners, after the brief pause, Please listen to a thank you letter to two former teachers and a meager tribute to education because no matter whose children, no matter whose children, all children deserve a world of adult protection and safety served up with quality health care and education delivered safely.
I think about the teachers I've had, including the ones I was convinced were bad. Time, of course, has swept names and faces from memory, but whenever I need them, the lessons taught me are recalled oh so swiftly. They're stored as gifts, sealed in a vault of reliability, and peppered with nostalgia's bittersweet humility. I'll share a story about two teachers among the innumerable. One was Mrs. G, and she was the grammar P, as in grammar police. Her knowledge about words was vast, and she kept after us. How else can I say it? Mrs. G was grammaticus. And while her occasional ire could at times feel uncomfortably tired, she was always dependable to answer diagrammatic questions on parsing out our sentences into specific pieces, such as parts and labor, so we would know how to put them all back together. With capitalization and punctuation all in proper places, without leaving too many spaces, as we practice grammar and penmanship with the all-but-forgotten thing called cursive. I still refer to the rules she planted in my head. In her presence, no one was ever bullied. Such rebellion in her classroom would have been unheard of. I had another teacher, Miss C., and she was unequivocally the best teacher I've ever had. She shared the art of music and said, It's a universal language, like math, just more fun instead, because this is how we shred. We can play instruments, we can dance a ton, we can put words to music, and from time to the next time, it's how we'll communicate. It's how we'll beat life's drums. From Beethoven to the Temptations, music, she said, is its own ocean. Where there's no shore, the compositions are infinite. Music is equation, sum, and score. Oh, dear Miss C, crowned with the so chic chignon, how you hid those hairpins so no one could see. You had such flair, and like every great teacher you shared, my teacher, Miss C., while I don't know for certain, she must have been trained classically, because she was a master of the piano, you see, as well as the keys on every instrument, if you please. As a note on a sheet, she taught us how to write C, the code known only to the band Philharmonic and the symphony. She took a group of neighborhood kids, and instead of a bunch of screaming heads, she transformed us into a choir, as if we were an ensemble, on tour. We danced the square, and no matter how awkward we felt, in her class we were among the gallant, the debonair. Whether it was the real, the waltz, the tango or the tap, she taught us every culture had its own beat and irreplaceable step. Because that's what humans do 
together in a rep. After we lost our shyness and embarrassment, without hesitation, she'd have us moving all our bodies to the rhythms, despite diversities and ranges of development. Miss C was the best. She knew we'd figure out the rest, only with a teacher so knowledgeable, so filled with passion, could such amplified microcellular magic happen. She'd always let her sweet approval show because she helped us shake our timidity. She joyously watched us grow. And as we danced more and more, steps together, her warm smile would signal the cast of music's everglow. You know? We'd fallen into delightful flow. Music melted away our fears and our natural inhibitions for such public exhibitions. With music education, Missy taught us, Music is academic. It's human tradition. We forgot life's heavy tears. And despite the years, what Miss C taught was tried and true. When we humans tune into our universal ears, we're an unstoppable collaborative. We cooperate. We celebrate. When we want to scream out loud, when we feel frustrated, even when we feel irate, Miss C held up the wax and said, These composers are all dead. But they too were rockers, and they too can feed your head. Whether she took us to the 18th century or described a recent concert attended, played by younger troubadours on the ascendant, the common denominator, her message, music's transcendent. Whether they like to play loudly, known as forte, or sing with softer voices, otherwise known as Soto Boche. Just like the Rock of Bach, she'd say, Students, like these old geezers, these composers have long hair too, and something relevant to say musically to you. Just like Mozart and Handel, the band The Who wrote an opera too, about a boy named Tommy. He was a young one with fears, Here's the album. Let's give it a hear. Dear listeners, do you have a song or two that you hold near and dear to you too? To that question, my response is, "Uh Uh-huh, of course you do. With this letter of gratitude, silly, nevertheless sincere, of all the songs she taught so well, the one that continues to ring my bell, Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. Because from yesterday until this very one, it's a lesson that we humans need to be reminded of time and time again. Dear Miss C, wherever you may be, Please know that your lessons from back in the day are still with me. Music is our live score. Several generations of adults just like me 
Used to be students in your classroom, Miss C. Music was your discipline and the method by which you'd heard our unpolished but hungry appetites for the finest of universal blurbs. Music is a common ground where we meet and help each other understand the visible and intrinsic. Despite life's traumas, music can still make our hearts sing. When we lay swords down, when we remember that we are preciously fragile human beings capable of les incroyables, truly incredible things that make us feel, hey, wait a minute, is this yet another reel? Or is this the first time I heard this song? Or am I just remembering a tune that hasn't been written before? And yet, here we are, together, singing in unison, as if we've sung it together somewhere before? Thank you, Mrs. G and Miss C, for helping me in my early days to form my phrases and tune my ears, along with my notes, sentences, and stanzas. Please know, I still hold you too, dear. And so I close with hope that my letter of thank you was clear.